everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It is the daily for Tuesday. That is Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward. And normally, we just ask five questions with this show and we get ready for some media availability. And we haven't had it confirmed. We're expecting some with the Buckeyes uh, today or at some point later this week as we record it right now. Um, but instead, we have to just ask, what the hell was going on on Monday? What a busy day for a college football playoff team. Uh, man, who uh, I don't know whose idea it was to have the transfer portal window open at the time that it did, uh, but it was a bad idea <laughs> to do it at this. Not saying the guy shouldn't be able to transfer. I think they should, uh, but I think maybe they could have thought thought out the uh, the timeline a little better than they have. Yeah. Why did nobody realize that this was going to be a major problem? Like college football has spent a hundred years bending over backwards to say how great the bowl system is and how everyone needs to, you know, maximize their opportunities and get rewards for a great season. And then they're like, Hey, you know what? We're going to somehow preserve the bowl system and let guys leave on the first <laughs> Monday in December and do whatever they want. Who would have, who could have ever seen this problem? I mean, you couldn't say January 15th is portal season? <laughs> well, the good news is that everyone is super excited about the bowl games and talking about those uh, early this oh, week as yeah. opposed to you know the, the 500 players that at the time we're recording this on Monday evening have already gone into the portal, and I'm sure there'll be 500 more by the time people watch this on Tuesday morning. Yes, so uh, by uh, late afternoon on Monday, Jalen Johnson and Taraja Mitchell – uh, were the first two Buckeyes who declared their intentions, uh, either declared or did enter their names into the transfer portal. I don't know that um, either one comes as any great surprise. Uh, Taraja Mitchell, I think, had basically uh, telegraphed these intentions to Ohio State in the middle of the season. He has played in four games. He said he's going to stay through the college football playoff. Um, but if he's going to be a graduate transfer somewhere, I don't believe that he can actually play in either the semifinal or the uh, actual championship game if Ohio State gets to that point and still be eligible to go anywhere. So I believe his uh, on-field playing career for the Buckeyes is over. Uh, even if he goes through practices and spends the rest of the month with the Buckeyes, Jalen Johnson dealt with injuries. And then after a, a rough first year with the Buckeyes, really was behind this log jam uh, of safeties for Ohio State. Now the numbers... Moving forward, it's not nearly as deep of a position if you project out that depth chart. Uh, I know you were doing that at OhioState.Rivals.com on Monday, Bill. Uh, but it just it still didn't probably seem like Jalen Johnson was going to be a major factor for the Buckeyes moving forward. No, that one wasn't surprising. And I thought <clears throat> if you look at the positions, I guess, where you, you might anticipate some movement, safety was one of them even given – the later numbers now that, that Ohio State appears to be staring at at, at that position group. It, it is, um, you know, rather rather dire there, I think. If you assume that we know Tanner McAllister is leaving, Ronnie Hickman has said he's going to the NFL, Josh Proctor walked on senior day, I don't think anyone's expecting him to come back. So that's three guys out of the room. We don't know what Lathan Ransom's going to do. Now you have a, a guy out of there in Jalen Johnson. There's like four guys left <laughs> in the safety room and three three coming in uh, in this, this recruiting class. So um, I, I don't no, I think like they very much like have reason to like guys like Kai Stokes and Sonny Styles, and and I guess at the moment my gut would tell me that Lathan Ransom will probably come back next year. I think there's there's benefit to that. So if that's the case, then then I don't think that's a position. It's like oh my gosh, you have to go look at someone in the portal for help there. But but it's thin nonetheless. Um, 
And then Taraja Mitchell, um, again, not terribly surprising. He and there's a few guys like this on on the roster. So I suppose like to to go through your college career and have as, like, as many different position coaches as he's had hmm. um, and and kind of try to find your way, I I'd imagine can be quite difficult. Um, so, you know, it's, I guess it's unfortunate that he never really carved out the role that I'm sure he was looking for, although he was a pretty important special teams player for Ohio state when he was healthy. Um, and I do feel like there were times this year where they missed him. Um, I don't think that comes as terribly surprising either. Yeah. I mean, you cannot question in my mind, the work ethic from Taraja Mitchell, he talked and he talked openly about some of the mental struggles that he dealt with, um, you know, trying to translate his athleticism onto a big stage with a bunch of people you know, walking and watching that he felt, you know, some of that pressure and wasn't able to you know, perform, uh, you know, and, and we saw that, you know, it seemed like the game was moving too fast for him, which didn't make sense because we know how fast he actually is. And I think in practice and workouts, you could just see the potential for this guy and it just didn't, the pieces didn't quite fit together. Sometimes that happens, but he was elected a, a captain by Ohio state in 2021 because of all the, a value that he brought behind the scenes. Uh, and as you mentioned as well, still had no problem going out there and performing uh, on special teams in the kicking game uh, for Ohio State. So uh, he gave five years to Ohio State, and I think everyone uh, in that Woody A. Hayes Athletic Center will wish him well. Um, again, you look at the impact at linebacker, pretty negligible. Don't think it will be felt by Ohio State at all. We expect, as we sit here right now, that Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers are, are both – uh, likely to come back, if not leaning strongly towards doing so. Uh, and then you've got a couple other young tacklers, somebody like C.J. Hicks pushing up to try and get in the lineup and mm -hmm. among some others. like it, It'd be hard to see how Taraja Mitchell could have changed that. And, I mean, really, if he could have, there wouldn't be a redshirt season available to him elsewhere anywhere. He, anyway, he would already be playing this year. Yeah, and I think that's probably what a lot of coaches would tell you that this kind of portal situation is is good for guys like Taraja who are older players who have one or two years left and the, the writing's kind of on the wall that you're not going to carve out that role you're looking for. Not, not that you haven't been a meaningful contributor because I think there are there are ways and Taraja has that Taraja has been excuse me, um, but now he has the opportunity to go I guess find a find a place that gets him on the field um, features him more. Um, and, and Ohio State is is probably fine at, at linebacker moving forward because of everything you just said. So I think it kind of works out for both sides there. Was there anything that happened in the transfer portal nationally on Monday that surprised you or seemed crazy, Bill? Um, it was it was kind of jarring seeing all of like just the quarterback names, like big quarterback names. Just some guys at like Ohio State recruited who you pay attention to when they go elsewhere and like follow their careers. Um, and some of this started happening before Monday. So like, and, and I wasn't surprised to see DJ Uyangalale go into the portal, but then when it happened, she's like, Whoa, that's, that's kind of odd to see a guy of that, of that stature go in and Graham Mertz goes in. Um, maybe the one that surprised me the most was Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma state. It's a really good quarterback at Oklahoma state and they're a pretty good program. I know maybe they yeah. took a little bit of a step back this year, um, but he's like one of their most productive quarterbacks ever, I think. And, and he's, going to leave, I guess, to be kind of a one-year rental at, at a what I imagine will be a pretty big-time program. So that one, out of all the names I saw, probably caught me the most off guard. Um, and then also Eric All at Michigan. Uh, this wasn't um, an outright I'm entering the portal situation, it, although it sounded like it. Um, I know he's been injured this year, but when he was healthy, he was really good there, a kid from, kid from Ohio. Um, he's a good player, so I was surprised to see his name come up too. 
just wonder where all these quarterbacks are going to go. Like a lot of them yeah. were already starting quarterbacks, so it's not a playing time situation. Um, and if it's not that, is it just opening up the bidding for name, image, and likeness? And is this the era of free agent quarterbacks? Maybe I don't know. I mean, there, there's however many there were, fifteen or twenty of them that not all starters, but some, uh, including the one that you just mentioned there at Oklahoma State. Like, is it? I want a better deal to stay because I'm your quarterback and you want to build around me or you don't want to lose me somewhere else. Um, otherwise, it's hard to see this game of musical chairs. There's only a certain number of starting quarterback spots available at the Power 5 level, and these guys aren't all going to be able to grab one, um, especially mm -hmm. if they already did. That's the part that I think is is strange. A lot of people have talked about the – influx of players into the transfer portal over the last couple of years and the and how many don't wind up getting a spot and that's never really been an issue at quarterback in the past but whether you you know had to wind up taking a backup job or, or whatever else that position you didn't generally find somebody with a live arm who didn't get a home out of the transfer portal but it's hard to imagine as we sit here right now that everyone that went in is going to find themselves a starting job i that there's not enough spots for that there, there's not unless you unless you want to like transfer down <laughs> but i don't think yeah. that's the idea when when you do this um there were a couple of guys like they there were more um guys transferring for the second time than than i anticipate like keaton slovis at pitt who just transferred from usc is now back into the portal phil Dracovic, who transferred from notre dame to boston college went back into the portal he's going to go uh, to pit, I think to reunite with his former offensive coordinators, so, like that one worked out for him. But I think that's going to be kind of like a rare success story. That that was a pretty cut and dry path, I think, for a guy like Phil Dracovic. I don't know, like what Keaton Slowis is going to do, or some player who transferred somewhere last year, thinking that the grass was going to be greener, then decided it wasn't going to be, and is going to enter the portal again and just kind of like roll the dice and see what's out there. I think there there's going to be a lot of players who who are in that position who are going to find there's not many opportunities for them. That, that's what makes this a little dicey. Okay, so why are we talking about quarterback transfers in the portal so much? Um, mainly because I get asked about it every day on ohiostate.rivals.com and every radio show that I go on. So now <clears> you have to do that, Bill. My feeling is that Ohio State is not likely to pursue any of these, even the biggest name quarterbacks in the transfer portal right now. That is where I sit because there are two five-stars already on Ohio State's campus that Ryan Day has invested time in. And when it comes to Kyle McCord, uh, game reps and two years of practice experience uh, in that system. Um, now, if you get through March and April and you are uncomfortable, there's another window after that. But I, I find it unlikely, in my opinion only, that Ohio State is going to uh, pursue any of these guys. The one that we were asked about the most is DJU. Uh, because his brother is a recruit that Ohio State uh, is pursuing. He, in particular, I find to be unappealing for Ohio State for a number of reasons, but I did ask you, so I should stop talking. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I, I It's not that I dismiss the idea that Ohio State should be looking for a transfer quarterback sort of offhand. If, if, if a, an intriguing name goes in there, then, then sure, but I haven't seen that name yet, and I don't have any reason to believe that that, that name is going to, to suddenly pop. So as things stand now, I, I don't think they will. I don't think they should. Um, I, I suppose you don't feel great about the idea of only having 
two scholarship quarterbacks, I guess a third, if they can add a, a, another guy to this recruiting class, um, maybe you'd still try to find a fourth if you can. But in terms of like finding an upgrade at the position who could be the starter over Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, um, I am not anticipating that. Uh, as you said, maybe that calculus changes in the spring. If you go through a winter and spring and you don't feel great because Ohio State like, can't afford to take a step back at that position, or I, I shouldn't say that. They're, not to say that these guys should be like as good as CJ Stroud when they when they show up, but you know what I mean. Like they can't they can't have that that position be a liability for them. So if they feel like it's trending in that direction, then maybe they explore their options in the spring. And if Ohio State gets the word out that they're looking for a quarterback, believe me, they're going to have plenty of options to choose from. Um, but I don't think I don't think they're anywhere near that position right now. I think Ryan Day much prefers to recruit guys out of high school, develop them in the program for a couple of years, as he's done already with Kyle McCord, as he's in the process of doing with Devin Brown and letting that play out. And unless a, a superstar name goes into the portal, I can't imagine Ohio State's going to entertain any of these guys that are in there right now. Yeah, I mean, the fact that there's another one of these dates after spring ball, uh, <laughs> it's stupid. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Or it gives us the, the new age of 365. Like there used to be this window in May and June where all of the college football writers took their vacations. It was the yeah. only time that they could. I'm not sure that that exists anymore, especially with the transfer portal having multiple seasons available to it. No, I, I people used to ask me, like, would you ever want to cover the NFL? And I, I, I sometimes I say, like, well, maybe, but like the NFL is like every day. Like, there's no there's no <laughs> lag period. And I like that college football has like a built in off season. Well, <laughs> that's not the case anymore. Yeah. And now it, it was greater like when uh, you had National Signing Day and in February, I'm like, hey, that's Berm's thing. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> now, I, I I guess I took way too much advantage of that because now with the portal, he's saying like, that's your thing. That's yeah. the current. That's <laughs> great. Thank you. I'm really yeah. enjoying it. It's like huh. it's like we're GMs on ourselves. We each we each manage different parts of the roster. He has the guys coming in, and we have to keep track of the guys who are currently on the roster. Yeah, which now is every bit as challenging uh, as as recruiting. Um, Kevin Wilson, maybe by the time uh, the daily publishes for you all, this will have been finalized. Uh, it seems like it is certainly trending towards Kevin Wilson. Uh, he's been offered the Tulsa job. Uh, as we as we talk and record, had not been accepted. It does seem like uh, the two sides are working towards a deal that could could well get done. I assume, and or actually not assume, I expect Kevin Wilson to stay on through the playoff no matter what happens. Definitely, if he's still the offensive coordinator, uh, but also <laughs> if he's the head coach at Tulsa, um, just as Tom Herman did before him, or Luke Fickle, or any uh, number of other guys who've been through this process, not likely to leave and they also get recruiting benefits of uh, exposure and staying through uh, the college football playoff. I think that it's overdue for Kevin Wilson to get a shot again to run his own program. Um, do you feel the same, Bill? I do. And, and maybe there'll be some pushback there because of how his tenure at, at Indiana ended. Um, I don't I don't know what, what to make of that. All, all I know is that Kevin Wilson was a really good head coach at Indiana, like elevated that program in a significant way. Um, and his last two years there uh, had had pretty good teams, like teams that, that Indiana was not accustomed to. I think that the program, I think, then built on top of that with with Tom Allen. But a lot of Tom Allen's success, I think you, you have to give Kevin Wilson credit for, for the way he positioned that program to, to start to be more successful than it had been. Um, he's a really good offensive mind, too. I think maybe despite what some folks might feel coming off of the, the Michigan game, 
Um, Kevin Wilson had some tremendous offenses at Oklahoma, even back to his Northwestern days, um, and, and certainly helped orchestrate great offenses here at Ohio State. So um, I'm actually a little surprised that it took this long. He's been here six years. Uh, when he when they hired him, I thought maybe that was going to be like a two year kind of deal, and then he'd go somewhere else. Um, that opportunity never popped for him, but but it seems like it, it will have now with the Tulsa job that that seems to fit him with his coaching background. So um, yeah, not not surprising, and I think I would agree with you that it is a, a tad bit overdue. Yeah, I don't think that he expected. Um, <laughs> not that it was taken as like a, a Nick Saban finishing school like a bunch of coordinators or former coaches we see go take jobs there and they get they get through the spin cycle and suddenly Mike Loxley is considered an appealing coach to hire again <laughs> uh, I think that he thought that might happen um at Ohio, Kevin Wilson thought that might happen at Ohio State uh with Urban Meyer because he had you know performed at such a high level punching above Indiana's normal weight um that he would get that opportunity in quicker fashion. As you mentioned, there were a lot of athletic directors, and I know this for sure, that just didn't understand or care to understand what happened uh, with Indiana and the former uh, athletic director and the separation there. I mean, Kevin Wilson was never found to have, you know, do anything illegal or break rules or whatever that, you know, however you want to put it. Um, there was nothing, he wasn't on the hook for that. And they paid him uh, as they, as they shook hands and went away. Uh, and it took, you know, as you said, six years for somebody else to potentially decide to give him a chance. I'm I'm surprised by that, um, but it it does seem like it's uh, going to happen now, and that creates a fascinating dynamic for what something else we've talked about, which is does Ryan Day need to hand over the sticks to somebody on offense, hmm. and now he would have to replace someone who would have been one of the logical candidates to do so. I would think that Kevin Wilson would have been the number one candidate to, to do so, given his background. I don't know why he wouldn't be. Um, yeah. We we don't know where Ryan stands on that. Like he was he was kind of asked about it on Sunday after the playoff matchups were announced, and he kind of dismissed it before the question was even finished being asked. I just don't think he wants to go there or, or entertain that right now. Probably more of an off season discussion anyway. Uh, with Ohio State preparing to to play in the playoff here, and clearly Ryan Day is going to call plays in that game. Um, so, so I'm fascinated by that to see what he wants to do. Cause, cause it, it changes the entire tenor of, of filling the spot on the staff. If it turns out he's just looking for a tight ends coach. Well, I don't know, maybe then it's just Keenan Bailey and you, and you promote him and, and that's, that's easy cut and dry. Um, not, not much thought process there. I think they've been looking for an opportunity to elevate Keenan and that could be it. Yeah. But if you're looking for, if you're looking for a primary play caller, it could be Justin Fry. It could be. I don't think it would be Brian Hartline right now, but I, I suppose you have to give him that shot to, to talk about it at least. Um, Tony Alford, although I know you've you've heard some things about him potentially having opportunities elsewhere, um, would, would be an in-house candidate as well. But I, I think if, if Ryan Day does decide that he wants to give up play calling, I think he'd probably have to go outside now to fill that role um, mm -hmm. with Kevin Wilson departing, which makes it all the more fascinating. Yeah, I think that we've known for so long for several years that Keenan Bailey is someone that Ohio state, I mean, they've elevated, they've created a title for him. That's still not uh, necessarily full time in terms of recruiting responsibilities and going on the road. He's always the first guy that they tap in sort of like the, the swing recruiter. If somebody can't go uh, for whatever reason, you know, Keenan's in, he's taken their spot. Uh, they, they don't want to lose him. He's had multiple uh, offers to be, lower level coordinator or position coach at a power five level. He's turned them all down because Ohio state has 
rewarded him financially to do so. They and they've invested their time in making him a future position coach was the assumption. So I think that's the tricky part. You would have assumed maybe that somebody else on Ohio State staff, after Kevin Wilson had been here so long and the success that Ohio State had had offensively with Day and Wilson in charge, that, you know, well, maybe eventually it would be at wide receiver or running back or special teams, maybe. Like one of those spots you thought, well, that's where Keenan will slide because you're not going to. I mean, Kevin Wilson's making well over a million dollars a year. If you just shuffle it down and, and move Fry and Hartline up and, you know, then create that role for Keenan Bailey. That seems like a – it's not a step back. It's not the right way to put it. It just doesn't seem like the most aggressive coaching move that you could possibly make. That doesn't mean that it would be wrong, but I don't know if it would solve all the other things that we're talking about here in terms of play-calling solution or outside voice or any of the other things that, that some people want, and I'm not sure what one of those things that Ryan Day would prioritize if this comes to be. Yeah, the, the the thing that makes that hard because we've seen them do we've seen them do both, right? We've seen them go the in-house route, sort of obvious thing, and we've seen them swing for the fences with like a Jim Knowles and even Justin Fry. Granted, they had a a, a background together. Um, that was also, I think, a pretty big swing for Ryan Day to bring him in and pay him what they paid him to come coach the offensive line. So, so those are those are the type of moves I think I'd like to see him make if if he does in fact decide he wants to give up some or all of the play calling and have a, a new voice come in. But it, it's difficult to, to know because we haven't had that conversation with him. I, I don't know if he views the offense at the moment the same way he viewed the defense last year. And frankly, he shouldn't because like that was a disaster. This is like this needs some like little oil here. <laughs> grease, the, grease the wheel a little bit. This is, this is like a total revamp of the offense that, that needs to happen. Um, they're very good still. But um, even even given that, I, I could see why he'd want a um, – experienced kind of voice to come in and, and bring some new ideas. So um, it's, it's interesting. He can, he can take it any number of ways, um, which I, I think will make it kind of fun, but also um, maybe a little frustrating for fans because they don't know exactly which direction it's going to go. Well, just off to a boring start here in December. And as the college football playoff field has been confirmed for Ohio state, just transfer portals and coaches, you know, getting interviews and second time already in four days, last four days that Ohio state's had this, Looks like it'll go differently for Kevin Wilson than it uh, did for Brian Hartline. Um, and we'll see what that means for the Buckeyes moving forward. Hey, sorry we didn't have five questions or more for you today. <laughs> Maybe we'll just shift that back a day because it turns out the transfer portal season is now a new holiday that we're going to have to recognize on the college football calendar. <laughs> that was a busy Monday. Trying our best to rewind it all for you on the podcast daily for a Tuesday. A lot more coverage of Ohio State coming your way at ohiostate.rivals.com and on the podcast uh, as we get one day closer to New Year's Eve. That's Bill Landis. I'm Austin Ward. See you later.